You have called us higher. You have called us a higher calling in Christ Jesus. Lord, you have called us deeper, that we would go deeper, not only into your word, but deeper into your service. And that, Father, we've come here today to our church service. And that, Lord, we are to serve or be of that mindset, at least be prepared for the service that you have for us. And so once again, we just ask that you would bless us, not just today, but in this coming year with the knowledge of your word. But Father, also give us the passion to do it. So I lift up this church this morning, God, that you would speak to it and guide it. And according to your will, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you turn and greet your neighbor? Greetings. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. We'll be starting at verse 1. And as you're turning there, we're going to be saying goodbye to some members of our church. I'm going to just pray for them real quick. Mike and Pam, if you'll stand up. And they're going to be moving to Indiana. And they're going to be taking, I assume you're taking Juliana with you? Okay, just making sure. And so just, uh, just keep them up in prayer. They're going to be leaving Wednesday morning, and so they'll be traveling cross-country. And just pray for what God, ha- just pray for, what God has for them and, and uh, the direction that he has set, set them on. Let's pray. Father, we lift up this couple to you, and I pray that you would watch over them and protect them. I pray that you would go before them, Lord, that you would make their way straight. I pray, Father, that as they arrive at their destination, that they would be entering in, Father, to what you have. I pray that you would direct them to a church, Lord, that is solid in your word, and pray, Father, not only would they grow, but they would bring a blessing to wherever it is that you have them. And so, Father, I not only lift up them, I lift up Juliana, and I just pray, Father, for blessings upon her life, and that, God, you would just use them, Father, for your glory. We thank you for their time here, and just the blessings that we've been able to receive. And Father, we just once again lift up the church that will receive their service and the blessings that you want to work through them as well. So Lord, we just thank you and praise you and just pray, God, that your hands of protection would be upon them, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Okay, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. We're in the book of Titus, chapter 2. I'll start reading at verse 1, go to verse 5, and we'll get into our study. Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and patience. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young woman to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Father, I know that there's a place in here for all of us, and so I pray as we dissect this section of Scripture that you would convict us where we need to be convicted, that you would encourage us, Lord, in the areas that we need to be encouraged. But Father, may we see that this is how we are to be so that the body of Christ would be all that you have called it to be. 
And so, Father, once again, just speak to us and guide us in your word that, Father, we'd leave this place closer to you than when we have come in, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, be seated. In order to really see how a church is doing, you look and see how a body of believers interacts with one another. Is it just coming in and going? Well, that's not really the purpose for a church. It's multifaceted. It's the worship, it's the giving of the word, but just as important, it's the people coming together and exemplified the things that are spoken of from the pulpit. And when you think of it, how you act, that really defines who you are. There's a uniqueness in your physical family. I'm sure most of you experienced that this past couple of weeks as you gathered together for New Year's or or for Christmas. Most of you celebrated your traditions. We had a slight change. Instead of our house, it was my daughter Kelly's, but it was still prime rib and grandkids and presents, and it was fun and it was all good. The Christmas traditions can be so, well, they just can sink so deep into into our hearts. And it was a blessing just to experience young Christopher Michael, who's just a few months old, and Betty Ursioli, who's 82. That would be my mother. But there's also the uniqueness of the spiritual family as well. We had a blessed time, I thought, this, this Christmas season, as we had the play and we had our candlelight service. It's the first time on Christmas Eve that we've had a candlelight service, and I thought that went really well. Our Christmas service, and last week we had our year in review. But in both cases, the facts, the facts of how we are and who we are are found in the fellowship and the fellowship that we've been able to have. That was the blessing of the year in review, just to see and just to remember some familiar faces, maybe some people who aren't with us any longer, but also the things that we were able to do in the Lord and for the glory of the Lord. So once again, what we're doing here in this section of Scripture, we're breaking open the church. We're breaking open the Lord's church to get a scriptural look inside. And then we must consider, does Calvary Chapel, Ontario look like a church? Does we look like a church and how a church is supposed to look like? Do we look like the Lord's church? And so again, we've got to make a communal evaluation and we have to make a personal evaluation in this. Now the first thing, we, we studied it in depth, I think it was like December 11th, so it's been a little while, but... Um, I had planned to go from verses 1 to 5 back then, and I think we didn't get past verse 1. But verse 1 is very critical. I mean, the first thing that we see a biblical church is to look like is one that is centered upon proper doctrine. All churches will be centered upon some sort of doctrine, but it boils down to, is it the doctrine of men, or is it the doctrine of the Lord? Now, as Paul is writing to this young pastor, Titus, he gets in his face, if you will, the first four words, but as for you... Don't, don't worry about the other people. Don't worry what's going on in the church community. Don't worry what the latest movement is. As for you, and this is his greatest priority for the person that he is able to have influence over, you speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Doctrine, this is the way you do what you do. And he says to do it soundly to do it in a healthy manner. A healthy manner is to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God because everything else is just somebody else's opinion. And also, healthy doctrine, to keep it from error, to keep anything unhealthy from entering in, to guard it. And the 
first step in guarding doctrine is, is within your own heart, so that you know and you are thoroughly convinced that the things that you are giving to others come from the Word of God. As I go through my studies, I evaluate them, and I even think of them from the standpoint of somebody comes in the back of the church afterwards and challenges me on something. I should be able to give a reason for the things that I speak from this pulpit, a biblical basis for the things that I speak from the pulpit. Because if I can't, then once again, it's just my opinion or just my good ideas, which aren't always so good. And so what he's encouraging this young pastor to do the work of God per the will of God. And again, the only way we know God's will is through God's word. The teaching of sound doctrine takes the elements of proper theology and uses them to encourage one another to righteousness. It's how the church is to grow. Sound biblical teaching will always result in practical Christian living. And so, if this is the case, now Paul is going to look at the people in the church. The people who are to receive the benefit from this sound doctrine and how this doctrine is to be received digested, and how it is to be manifest in the lives of the people in the church. And so we're going to look at this cross-section today. We're just going to get to the first two, but they're so important. They're so important because who do you consider yourself to be in your Christian life? Regardless of your age here, and what I'm really talking about is maturity. Are you a mature believer in the Christian life? Well, first, we'll look at the men. Are you a mature man? Or next, today, we'll look at the woman. Are you a mature woman? And then if you are, what is it that we are to be doing? What is it that we're to be spending our time doing so again, the body of Christ can be what God desires for it to be? Well, first, the mature man, verse 2, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love, and in patience. Those addressed here are the aged men with the intent that they would grow to maturity in their Christian life, Obviously, based upon sound doctrine. It's not just about growing old. We can do that seated in a corner. But to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is God pointing out first, and I think he's pointing these out in priority. This is one of the most valued commodities within the body of Christ, is the matured believer. Those who have received the word of God and the word of God has had an effect upon them and then the word of God, once again, and this is important, it's working through them into the lives of others. So how do I know if I'm really a mature man really having an effect for the Lord? Look at the people around you. Look at the people whom God has given you to lead. And it's that same old question once again, are people closer to Jesus Christ because you're in their life, in the home? We're looking at mature men, so the wife, kids, are they closer to Christ because you're part of that home? Or are they further away from the Lord? The people in the church, in the body of Christ, are they closer to Christ because you're a member of this church? That's the way it should be working, and there ought to be people closer to Christ because you're a member of this church. And so this valuable commodity, the seasoned saint, the established believer. See, in the movement in the church today, and it seems it can go towards youth, but, and that's fine, we need to reach our youth, and we are losing a lot of our youth, and it's essential that we do so, but we can't leave one age group. The body of Christ needs to be a mix of all. 
Because, again, you have the mature believer, and the mature believer is he who raises up the less mature believer. And it's righteousness repeated throughout the age of the church. And so we have to be of the mindset, and we're focusing on the more mature today, and see the value that is there. Because sooner or later, in the immature person's life, trials are going to hit, difficult days are going to come, and trouble is going to come upon them, and they're going to be, well, the less mature, what's going on? What's going on? I entered into this Christianity thing, and it just seems like everything's falling apart. Well, the mature believer, he's the one who's rooted in the Word of God, but has also had experience in this. He's able to tell them, yeah, you're just going through a spiritual attack right now. These are the things that are going on, and God's going to be with you, but God's wanting to change you. And as he's changing you, some of the things that you hold on to, well, it's going to hurt as he's pulling them away. Because you know what? This is how God has worked in, in my life. And again, this is the God of all comfort and how he works, that he'll use you to comfort others with the same comfort with which you were comforted with. And what I mean by that is you've got this less mature believer, and they're going through the trials of marriage. They're going through the trials of raising kids. They're going through trials of the job or whatever it might be, finances. Well, for the older person, I've been there. I've been there apart from Christ, and I've been there in Christ. I've been there in the flesh, and I've been there in the spirit. And let me tell you how it works. Let me show you what God has done. Now, you're not going to be able to sit there and just tell them in detail, and what God's doing in their life will be different than your life. But all in all, there's going to be similarities. And again, God's got the same reason and purpose for why he allows things working in our lives. Now, Sunday night, we're looking at Ecclesiastes, and we're seeing how things, the more they change, the more they stay the same. But the other concept we're seeing is, is Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that God's hand is upon all things that go on. So it seems like life can be so cyclical, in a way it is, but God is in the details of our lives. And as he is in the details of our lives, He's fine-tuning every life here. Now, this guitar, the only reason that it puts out a good sound is because every facet of it, every string, has not just been tuned, but fine-tuned. I'm sure she's got a little box around here somewhere that's got some kind of needle or lights on it that, you know, when you hear them, you're sitting there, and the first thing you got to hear is that ding, 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 and they're changing, and they're because they're bringing it all into tune so that the end result is going to be something pleasurable and something benefit for the body, beneficial for the body of Christ. And that's what he's doing into your, in your life, fine-tuning different areas. Now, they don't just tune the guitar and that's it, lock it in. The strings are going to stretch. There's different weather conditions that's going to have influence upon it. So it always needs to be fine-tuned. See, it was restrung on the day of salvation but it's fine-tuned every single day of our life. So the trials, they never end. Difficult days are always going to be there, but that's okay. And so the more mature person who has been being tuned for quite a long time is able to minister to the less mature. Proof text for no retirement in God's in God's uh, economy is in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. 
Brethren, I do not have count myself to have apprehended, but the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And so a mature believer knows that he's never arrived. That throughout this life, he's going to continue to press forward. Now keep in mind, as we study Philippians, remember where Paul was? Paul was in prison. He's in prison, and he's saying, i got to press forward. So many of us, if we're thrown in that predicament, it would be of the mindset to give up. But Paul says, there's no retreat. There's no surrender. We, we matter of fact, we fight from the standpoint of victory. So we continue to push on. So as far as the mature man, the first thing that Paul tells Titus is, tell him, be sober. This isn't about what you drink, it's about how you act. The idea is sober-minded. This means that they would be alert in the body of Christ. Do you come in here alert? It's kind of contrary to us, because it's Sunday morning. Well, I'm going to go to church, and you know we're just, we're just not on like we might be on a Monday morning when you're on your way to work and thinking about all the things that need to happen, and kind of just clear my mind and just kind of arrive. But are you prepared for maybe what God has for you today? Maybe it was before service, maybe it's after service, or maybe it's what he wants to speak to you during service. But to be sober-minded, to be of that mindset that God does great things, and I don't want to miss what God may have for me today. Because, see, God is the day that Well, he can use any day on the calendar of your life to work a change that is going to have profound effects for the rest of your life. I mean, look at the day of your salvation. God met you on that day, and he changed you on that day. What if he wants to do something just as profound today, just as intense today, just as glorious today? So to be sober-minded, be alert in the body of Christ. It was one of the problems, Pearl Harbor. They weren't alert. (laughs) Kind of ironic. It was a Sunday morning. They were kind of checked out, and, well, they were attacked and and, and almost destroyed. 911, we weren't so alert as we are now, and again, we saw what had happened. And so, for a mature believer, through your years of walking in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would recognize and be prepared for the spiritual situations and opportunities that arise in our lives. And so, what are these? Well, spiritual attack would be number one because, again, that can be something that can come out of left field and take people so off guard that you would be there, that you would be prepared to minister to somebody who's going through that. Or a false doctrine that enters into the church. As a false teaching comes in, it can so spread very quickly, but that the mature believer would be there to point out the error of that doctrine. Or maybe it's the latest conspiracy that's going around. seems like there's always some sort of conspiracy. I was reminded as an immature believer around when I first got saved, we didn't have email and we didn't have the internet. And so somebody was passing papers out at the church. And it was the Procter Gamble thing, if anybody remembers that. Procter Gamble, there was this rumor going around that the CEO was a Satanist and he's renounced the Lord and just all of this weird stuff. And and I I got the paper and I thought, "This this is preposterous. And it had... I didn't probably say that word, but it it, it had a list of everything that Procter and Gamble put out and that we needed to avoid. And I brought it to the leadership of the church. Have you seen this? 
And they said, yeah, time after time after time, and it's not true. It, it, it wasn't true. It was just some damaging gossip that was going throughout the church that was perpetuated by either evil-minded people or perpetuated by the less mature. And those are the ones who the evil-minded people prey upon is the less mature. Because this is looking like some spiritual battle that we need to fight, but in actuality, it, it was false. And again, the less mature can so easily be led astray. So when everyone, is fl- everyone else is flying off the handle, the mature man is rooted and grounded in sound doctrine. And that means that the things that are going on, false doctrine, latest movement, whatever, are being digested. He's not jumping to conclusions. He's taking these things, and he's considering these things, and he's comparing these things. I'm always of the mindset, wait. Somebody has something they want to do. Well, let's pray about it. If something's brought to me that got to have an answer right now, then 90% of the time the answer is going to be no because they're taking out this necessary element of spiritual evaluation. Is this really what the Lord has? In 1 Peter chapter 5, we're told why we are to be sober-minded. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And as you see people being devoured, it causes you to be more sober-minded about these things. Christianity, it's not to be all fun and fooling around. Have a good time together, and that's a good thing, but we have to understand, bottom line, spiritual lives, actually physical lives, hang in the balance for what we do and who we are. We've got to be sober-minded about these things. We have to be serious about these things. A sober-minded, mature man is passionate in prayer, he's learned in the Word of God, and he's active in his service. This is the kind of person who's going to be able to make an impact within the body of Christ. Secondly, a mature man is reverent. This means he is dignified, such as a general. He's just got that air about him or you know, a football coach, or whatever it might be, just somebody who has this air of leadership about him. Because again, if you're a mature believer, you're a leader because there's somebody in the body of Christ that is looking up to you as the example of who a Christian man is to be. It's the idea here is, is when this man speaks, people listen. Because again, the way he has carried himself and the way he has taken the Word of God and applied it to his personality, there's just that era of respect that is around him so that when people hear this man, they understand and they know foolishness is not going to come from his mouth. This is the result of what you have learned, well, from the experiences of your life. And a lot of those things is acting foolish or speaking foolish at some point in the past. Doing something that, well, just looking back and realizing the mistakes that you have made and learn from your mistakes. Other than the word of God, that's one of the greatest things that we have in the maturity of a man, is learning from past mistakes and having that desire to not repeat them, but to learn from them and to grow from them. In Acts chapter 5, verse 34, there were things going on that the Jews just didn't understand. The Apostles are now filled with the Holy Spirit and people are coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and they're trying to discern this and make sense of it. 
they got Peter and John before him. And again, in Acts 5.34, it says, Then one of the council, one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And then verse 39 says, this is the wisdom that has been given to this man from God, but if this is from God, you cannot overthrow, at least you even be found to fight against God. And really his wisdom is, is that we don't want to come up against what the Lord is doing. There's scriptural basis here, and I believe that this man knew that. And so he's talked about people in between those verses in the past who said that they were something, where time proved that they in fact were nothing. And so this man's got the wisdom that comes with experience and the wisdom that comes with time. And so we need to take that and we need to see, okay, so I've got the Word of God. Gamaliel had the Word of God. He probably he was a teacher of teachers. He knew it forward and backward. But nonetheless, when this happens, let's see how it plays out. There's the patience of a man who is older. There's the wisdom of a man who is older. There's the knowledge of how God has worked in the past. Let's see how he's going to do a work work today. Because, see, one of the things that Gamaliel knew here, and again, we see this, if this is of God, you can't... Maybe God's going to do a new thing here. Just as truly as God has worked in the past, or, or maybe in my life, he understood that maybe God's working in these people's lives. It's not, and this is another key, it's not according to our preset way and how we think things should happen. Because we can so easily have our preset ways and how we think things should happen. But see, if man is married to that mindset, then Calvary Chapels never happen. Calvary Chapels were this brand new thing, and it wasn't how they thought things should happen. But... God did a great work, and so God's always wanting to do a new thing. We ought not to be stuck in the old things. Now, the only old thing you're to be stuck in is the Word of God, but the Word of God is renewed every day within our lives. And so a man of maturity will not be over-emotional, but a stabilizing factor in the body of Christ. Such men are at a premium today. Thirdly, a mature man is temperate. This is an attitude of mind that produces self-control. James chapter 1, verse 19, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Regardless of what is going on in this man's life, the person who approaches him knows what he's getting, understands that this person is mature, that this person is stable, that this person, well... If I've got something going on in my life, you have a less mature man. Let's take it to an extreme. Let's say this less mature man is in sin. Let's say he's committed adultery, and God's convicted him, and he's repented, but he doesn't know what to do. And now if he sees this more mature man, I'll put myself in that place, the pastor. If he's afraid to approach the pastor because he thinks the pastor's going to get mad or take him up and throw him out of the church or set him in front of the church and make an example out of him, He's going to hide in the bushes like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve didn't understand grace at that point. But we are to minister to people with the same grace in which God has ministered to us. And the mature man realizes of himself, there's really nothing here. And so he considers this man, considering himself, at least he also be tempted, but understanding the necessity of restoring this man back to where he needs to be. And so the point is, is because this man is temperate, 
He's not moody, angry, or crabby, but he's accessible, approachable, and dependable. The sin issue is going to be able to be dealt with. Because, see, that's one of the problems that I've seen in the body of Christ. Everybody in the body of Christ is afraid that somebody else is going to find out that they're a sinner. Well, we got news for you. Everybody here is a stinking sinner. It's just the grace of God has been lavished upon us. And so, as everybody is a sinner, and everybody in this room at some point today is going to have some... You're going to miss the mark somewhere along the line. We may even have a few transgressors in here. But we need to be here for support for one another, to encourage one another, and to see one another continue... Well, if they've fallen down, to be able to pick them up and to see them move on. You know, it's one thing for the enemy to come in and to... to to kill off the, the church and to come in and to find the wounded and to banet them. But when we start banetting our own people, it's a sorry state of affairs. We need to bring them in. We need to put them on a stretcher. And we need people to come in and to carry stretchers. We need to evaluate people. We need people to evaluate. No, I mean not judge, but evaluate and what's going on in this person's life and how can they effectively be brought back to Christ. And then when that evaluation has been made, so then what do we need to do? What's necessary to see this person back to where they were before so that they're thriving and functioning in the body of Christ? And so that's an act of maturity because the less mature is, throw them out. I mean, I think, you know, I think when we have sinners in this, people that are found out and stuff, we need to throw them out. But the problem is the church would be empty. The sooner or later... Well, the sin, all sins will be shouted out from the rooftop. So when everybody else is falling apart, this mature man, he's keeping it together. He's not known as somebody who is angry. He's not known as somebody who is going to get mad. He's just, again, approachable. Approachable so that that person who's already convicted by God is able to sit down and to talk to this person and have this discussion, knowing that they're not going to be condemned. Some hard things may need to be said, some hard things may need to be done, but they're going to understand the spirit of love that it is done in. Fourthly, a maturity, a maturity, a mature man is sound in faith, love, and patience. To be sound in faith is to remain in faith even while facing something fearful. Once again, to take it to an extreme, this man is going to have faith that God's always going to do something. I don't know what God's going to do, but I do know that regardless of the situations and circumstances, God is going to do something. ISIS is running all over the place, and we've got terrorists and all these things going on. We've got the attack against the church. But I know, because I've read to the end, God's going to do something. Our faith is in the Lord. Our faith isn't in Barack Obama or Donald Trump or anybody else. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the mature man understands that. Understands that God's hand is upon all things that go on. So that when some, some things that, well, just aren't understandable are going on, he's rooted and grounded in this proper doctrine that has caused faith to well up. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so he's able to face fear in a courageous manner. Now keep in mind, if you want to be a mature man, what courage is. If you don't have fear, then you don't have courage. The only reason you have courage is because there's this element of fear. Everybody who has been, I shouldn't say everybody because I don't know them all, but 
a common thing that you hear for somebody who wins the Medal of Honor is that they were scared to death. They were, but they were just able to overcome that. So courage is the ability to overcome fear. And as I said so many times, when Joshua heard those words, Moses, my servant, is dead. I imagine it had, a, it had to be like an electrical shock going through his body. Uh-oh, because he knows that he's next. He's second in command. And so God told them, be strong and courageous. Strong. He told them three times, be strong and courageous. And the only reason you tell somebody three times to be strong and courageous is because they're scared to death. And it's okay to be scared. Then you have the opportunity for people to see Christ in you. So somebody who is sound in the faith is going to be courageous, but they're also going to be scared to death. Fear is a reality the mature man understands, and although fear may motivate him, Fear is never going to rule him. Why? Because he understands the God whom he serves. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. You will be afraid at times, but he has not given you this personality that is cowering in the corner, but he's going to give you a spirit that in the face of fear, you continue to persevere. The Bible tells us this is the experience Uh, This is that which the experienced man is going to exemplify. Secondly, sound in love. The idea here is he's going to be sacrificial. He's going to have the love for the body of Christ and for those less mature for him that he's willing to sacrifice himself. Not talking about death or anything like that, but just sacrifice his desires, his position, whatever it might be. Whatever it is that is going to cause the body of Christ to grow, he's all in. John 13, 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And the the mature man is willing to set that example. Do you remember, if you're here on Thursday night, you know, but that example was when Jesus humbled himself and washed the feet of the apostles. If you're a mature man, are you setting an example of who a experienced Christian is truly to be, both in home and here at the church? What if, mature man, or at least person who thinks he's mature, what if here at the church everybody acted just like you? What if everybody gave just like you? What if everybody served just like you? Everybody, we, we, we find you out, you're the most mature person in the world, at least you said you are, so we're going to exemplify, use you as the example that everybody is going to act just like you. Would we still have a church? Would we still even have a place to meet? Would we still have people that came if everybody was like you? Because once again, if you're truly a mature person and you're exemplifying Christ, and people should be like Jesus Christ because of you. So you need to consider yourself. I need to consider myself. We all need to consider ourselves. Are we truly, are we truly exemplifying Christ through the maturity that we have in him? And then lastly at least for the man, he is to be sound. Sound, this means patient. This is knowing that God is never late, nor is God ever early. God is always right on time with the solution, with the cure, or with the check. God, again, is going to act according to his own timetable, and the mature person has learned to wait upon the Lord. In my immaturity, it's a lesson that God worked in my life, something that I kind of forgot, one of those things they'd said I'd never forget, but I kind of did. I was a contractor, and things weren't going really well. I was hurting. 
I had laid some guys off and uh, I had a, another contractor that I did work for that owed me money and he filed bankruptcy and so I had very little working capital and I had very little money just to feed my family. And I had this big, pretty big job. It was a $70,000 job that I had bid and I finally found out that morning that I was going to get it. And the guy says, but you know, we're not going to see any money for a couple of months here. And I'm thinking, great, I've got this big job and I've got no money really to do it. How in the world am I going to do this? And I, re I actually, I was working out, out in Fontana area, and he called me as I was driving in. I remember we had those most joyous times of raising the kids, the science project. And so I had to stop by the Ontario Library, and I got to the Ontario Library, and I got a phone call from this guy. And, you know, I had actually I had stopped and prayed right after he told me that we had this job. And I remember specifically prayed, and I, I, I remember this is what we're supposed to do, so I'm going to do this. And I stopped, and I prayed. I remember I went to the library, got out, got my truck. So this is 15 minutes after I heard about this job. And he called and said, guess what? We just got a, a, a FedEx package, and I got a check for $20,000 for you. And it was like, wow, this stuff works. <laughs> but see, that was the Lord ministering to an immature man so that he would understand this concept of waiting on the Lord. So at some point, he can train others to wait on the Lord. So you only have to wait on the Lord for 15 minutes? No, well, for that immature man so long ago, that's what was necessary then. But again, it's all according to the Lord's timetable. But as for you, speak to things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and in patience. Verse 3, the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish. And next to admonish, you could write train. That they train the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Again, we just needed one verse. Ladies, you got three verses here. Your projects. Unfortunately, maybe it's because women do the majority of ministry within the church as well. So the mature woman, the first thing, she's to be reverent. This is someone who is to be revered because of their dedication to the faith. This is this inner beauty that supersedes anything superficial. And I believe the reason he has said this, because women can be so outwardly, have that outward beauty, and all of that is fine and dandy, but you've got to have that inward beauty to truly be beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. That when a younger woman seeks out this more mature woman's counsel, she knows that what she'll receive is of the Lord and through the Spirit. She'll understand and know that this is a godly woman who is going to give me godly advice. That's why they're not out there seeking advice somewhere out in the world, but they're coming within the church. And from time to time, we'll even get people from outside of the church coming to the church in order to get counsel, even though they're not even really a born-again believer. But they know that they'll get that which is of God. That maybe they don't understand what that means or understand it to mean something else, but they still recognize that. And so the more mature woman, she's going to be digging into the Word and she's going to be prepared for every good work. And the only way anyone becomes reverent is when... Time in the Word meets experiences in life. 
Time in the Word meets experiences in life. You've been through it. You've experienced these things. You've seen the trial and error of the flesh. You've seen the Lord and the times that the Lord has moved and and times when it's been unexpected, but nonetheless, how faithful God has been. And so this woman is, through these real-life experiences, she's able to teach others. Now, this is very important back in that day. It's important today, don't get me wrong, but especially back in that day, because the women, they weren't allowed the learning opportunities that men were. So a lot of times they were just left to figure things out on themselves or their husbands or whatever. But here in the body of Christ, what Paul is recognizing is the value in the mature woman to have this influence upon these women who are less mature. A mature woman is not to be a slanderer. A slanderer would be a malicious gossip, and I don't know of any gossip that's not malicious. Just as a man is prone to abuse others physically, a woman is more inclined to abuse others verbally. And shows she's, he's saying, for an older woman, watch the things that you say. Watch the opinions that you give. Keep in mind, people are listening, and maybe they're not hearing how you're intending to speak, so be very careful with the things that you say. James 3, 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest fire it can kindle? A mature woman, in Proverbs 25, 11 through 12, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and setting of silver, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to the obedient ear. And so the more mature woman, before she gives her opinion or, you know what I think? She filters it. She filters it through her experience. She filters it through just, again, the years of maturity because she understands the power that exists in words, either to heal or to hate, either to see somebody encouraged or to see them discouraged or even to destroy somebody. A mature woman, again, verse 3, an older woman likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, and not given to much wine. The idea here is, is what are you filled with? What are you filled with? Are you filled with that which is going to influence you to foolishness? Are you filled with that which is going to influence you towards godliness? A mature person knows that they will be able to influence others by that which influences them. And so if you're a drunkard, what are you going to influence people towards? And again, the idea isn't here so much a drunkard, but somebody who is just simply under the influence, in this particular case, wine, but really the idea is anything that the world has to offer. Or are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit? If you are under the influence of alcohol or any other worldly thing, then you are going to influence others towards carnality, towards that which is contrary to God. But if you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you, then you're going to see again people around you through your counsel flourish in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, do not be drunk with wine. Don't be under the influence of wine, he says, which is dissipation, but be filled or be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. If you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, then your influence is always going to be towards the spiritual. Fourthly, a mature woman is to be, and it's what I just mentioned earlier, that they admonish or that they train. Now, these areas of training, I, I've looked upon them just 
looking back and looking over my life and some of the things that my wife has said that she has experienced and, and also that she has uh, had the opportunity to minister to other, to younger women within the church. And so you've got a woman, this young girl who's married. She doesn't know who a man is or how a man is. And all of a sudden now she's a wife. She needs to be trained in this. I mean, who has who trained her to really be a wife? Now, the mother should be doing this, but not everybody has that opportunity. And then, and it's one of the things I remember experience. you start having babies, and then you're clueless. You know, you, I'm, I'd probably be a pretty good father now that I'm a grandfather because I've got all the experience, but ain't going to happen. And so there, there's these younger women, and I've seen, again, this dynamic in that all of a sudden she's married, and then she has kids, and she's just overwhelmed. And she's just beside herself because she's not understanding, am I even doing these things right? And again, I've seen my wife with my daughters, you know, with the breastfeeding these things and the changes of hormones and bodies and all that that I don't even want to get involved in. Uh, You know, she's there for them. And she's there to to lead them. And, and, And this is an important ministry. And really, it's probably a ministry that we should even advertise in the bulletin, a new mom's ministry or something, because I've seen the difficulty that has gone on in this time. And I've seen how hard it can be. And I'm sure there's quite a few women here that can even relate to these things. So the idea here is this hands-on instruction in how a wife cares for his, her family. It says, The older woman likewise, that they be reverent... Uh, I'm sorry, skip down to verse 4. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. It's not that they don't love them, but how to, the idea here is, is to properly care for them. To exhibit love through proper care. There are many preconceived notions when it comes to marriage and parenting, but what happens when the knight in shiny armor falls off his horse? What happens when the cute little kid grows fangs and becomes a terror? How do you deal with those things? What did I do? What did I do wrong? And so the more mature woman can come alongside and can explain some of these things and and encourage this young lady in some of these things. And now all of a sudden, what do you have? You've got this group of mature men and this group of mature women, and now there's some practical ministry going on in the body of Christ. There's the body of Christ that they know that these things, that, that maybe they're even afraid to ask or embarrassed to ask somebody else, they're realizing this mature person whom I have looked up to, they've experienced some of the same things. They've had some of the same doubts and a lot of the same failures. And they've learned from those things And so, really what you're doing is you're not just raising up the future generation, although you are, you're raising up a better generation. And when I mean better, I mean a generation that's got a head start in the Lord from what you have. And then prayerfully, they'll follow that along, that the church, especially when we see things getting harder and harder and harder, the church would be better to withstand the attacks that go on. And again, the attacks are just in the fabric of our daily life. It's just in the day-to-day occurrences of our lives as we men go about trying to earn a living, be the spiritual leaders to their wives and to their families, and, and sometimes feeling like a failure or a woman who's had this hard time and, and, and you know with, with kids and this husband, and he's not the spiritual leader. How do I encourage him? How do I properly love him, not dominate over him? And all of these things, and so that, well, I've got the men in the church, the more mature men that are truly maturing, and the younger women who are maturing as well. 
And again, it's then that you'll see true ministry happen outside of these doors, maybe in the parking lot after small groups. Because what in the world do you guys talk about after small groups? You're out there for like a half hour and thinking, my goodness, I want to go home. Or Sal says that too. Lastly, a mature woman is to be, look at verse 5, discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Discreet speaks of common sense and good judgment based upon God's word. Chase speaks of marital faithfulness. To be submitted, the idea is to be submitted to him as the leader. And you may say, I'm a better leader than he is. I know more of God's word than he does. Well, then exhibit your maturity by being submitted to the leadership of your husband because that's what God blesses. That's what the Lord blesses. These things are not instruction for moralistic behavior, but they would be biblically realistic in the body of Christ and the witness of the church would not be hindered, that there would truly be something unique about it so that when a young woman out there or a young man is overwhelmed by something and the older men or older women could really care less or they're afraid to ask, that they would know that they can enter into the body of Christ and receive sound instruction in these things and through that, be brought into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, that's what it's all about. It's all about our relationship with you. And so, Father, as these things are real, and again, I've seen these things, and a woman, how she feeds her family, how to care for a baby, how to care for a teenager, how to minister to a man, or a man, how to balance a job and ministry, and all of these things, those of us who have been through these things would be prepared for those good works that, Lord, we would see your word come to pass in the hearts of people and then come out through your people as we do these things. We saw that the other night, Lord. Blessed are we if we do these things. And so, Father, I pray that your Spirit would come upon this church and I pray that this church would be a fully functioning church, that we would be mindful of one another, that we would see the person who's downtrodden, maybe the person who is discouraged. And, Father, we would truly be a church of encouragement. Lord, help us to get past ourselves, step outside of ourselves, and Father, just be a body of believers who glorifies your holy name. And so, Lord, we just once again thank you for your word and pray, Father, that you would cause it to sink deep within our souls, but Lord, you would also have it spring out through our hearts into the lives of those who were able to have influence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We all stand, please. Mm-hmm.